why hello and i would like to extend a warm cringe evangelical welcome to you all um i am elena paris and i am back after a hiatus um basically i have mental health concerns which i've brought up in the past seasonal depression plays into that in a very vital role i don't think the sun's come out in buffalo since before Christmas. So it's been a struggle and I barely um really like have been keeping my head afloat uh for like my job that pays like my bills. Um and then on top of that, um there was a blizzard uh and then after the blizzard it heated up because of global warming. I did their climb whatever the hell you want to call it. And then the like literal like four and five, six feet of snow melted and then everything flooded. The flooding caused um, closures and all these other issues. It's just been really not fun. So like for context, last week it was under 20 degrees Fahrenheit. So that means it was like negative 10 degrees Celsius more or less every day with like literal constant snowfall and you like couldn't even see out the window and then this week has been highs of like 40 degrees fahrenheit which is like 10 degrees celsius and that in no snow nothing completely clear but no sun so that's really what it's been um and that shift is also like from a physical standpoint takes a toll on me that's like a very rapid like change in like air pressure and stuff anyway that being said that's what's been going on nothing exciting just uh, a lot of sitting on the couch and um i watched x directly followed by pearl with no breaks so that was fun um, so anyway, yeah, we're gonna, uh, that was just kind of my, like, whoa, it's been a while, but fear not. Uh, this thing is not, um, it's not dead. It just was on sabbatical. So without further ado, uh, let's play a little music and then we will introduce today's topic and get rolling. Thanks guys. Okay, so today's topic is something that I think is actually pretty niche, but it's bigger than I ever recognized. It's just bigger in the South than the North, and I just happen to do it in the North. Um, this is in the United States. Um, so culturally in the U.S., for those who don't live in the U.S., um, the American South is very... Uh, politically and generally as a culture more conservative um politically and religiously um and so even if you're not necessarily understanding or following christianity you would still be like hardcore and do anything for christianity like cultural standpoint uh obviously mixing politic religion and all these things like that is very dangerous we know this but Anyway, that's some background there where the American North tends to be more um, secular. And another reasoning for this is not that there isn't like an expansive uh, university and college system in the South. It's more that the centers of academia and thought originated in the North because that's where the Ivy Leagues are, as well as that is the... Uh, Colonial history, the first colonized portion is the Northeast. So in some respects, there's the most um, distinct kind of like European influence there without much mix that was anything beyond indigenous, where the South does have the European mix, but kind of differently because of the area. And this all kind of sounds like crazy, but it does matter. Another reason is that the American South, because it is warmer, has more of our um, like blue collar farming and industry type stuff, as well as Appalachia, which is like your coal mining. And it is any area where there is more poverty, less formal education. Generally, you see rises in uh, traditional religions. 
nothing wrong with that. That's pretty common. Um, but those are just some of the factors. That being said, if you went to a rural part of, say, like New York State or the American North, it would be more similar to like your Midwest American self than it would be uh, a northern like metropolitan city like New York City. So there's like a lot of things there. I think that at least in Western cultures, this is a common occurrence, you know. Um, but I thought I would give that background uh, before I explain this whole thing and how it came. So what we're discussing today is Patch the Pirate. Um, Patch the Pirate. Oh, my God. It's a children's program. Um, and the man who originated, uh, originated it went to Bob Jones University, which is, again, in the American South. That's why I explained that, because it really is something that would um, pick up more in that region based on just the cultural touchstones and so forth. Another thing I didn't point out and I forgot to is the American North kind of straddles Canada and Canada culturally is a more secular um, progressive society than the United States, period. Um, and the American South uh, borders Mexico, which is actually also like in terms of like how people think um, would be more progressive or would at least have different values, but because that cult, that culture, that country isn't basically as powerful as Canada, the influence tends to be be more the U.S. on them sort of thing. Um, not that we don't influence Canada and so forth, and Mexico doesn't influence that area, but it does change things. It also changes religious factors. Mexican folks tend to be traditionally at least Catholic um, and therefore religious, whereas folks from Canada tend to be more secular. Um, so, yeah, that's just another thing to point out as well. I also think this plays into the politics. Ironically, you would think living on the Mexican border, you'd be more empathetic to the immigration situation. Uh, yeah, no. And I don't know if it's because it's easier to make them a scapegoat than it is up in the north. I mean, people are really racist about it here, too. But I just think that's another interesting thing to point out. Another thing to point out, and I know this is like long, but it's it's going to matter. The American self. So all of the U.S. had slavery. The American self had it longer, um, much longer than the North. That being said, it's not like the North is a, you know, beacon of racial justice. But um, that is another factor that plays into this. And it should be really well known that the southern states didn't give up slavery because they really cared about humanitarian purposes. They gave up slavery because they literally lost a war and were unable to function anymore. Um, and when you think about it that way as well, uh, the culture didn't shift to being like, oh, yes, equality right away. It shifted to like, well, the freaking, you know, Yankees up north uh, forced us to be nice to black people, basically. Well, be nice. That's a that's that's um, poetic freedom on my part. They asked them to sort of maybe tolerate black people and then they still were like, eh, eh. so um, that's being said, that's kind of some social background. Um, and I think it's going to matter when you see the like comments um, and so forth. Another thing to note, the man who started this children's program, Ron Hamilton, um, he's also from the American South, but <laughs> I have my dad actually was born in the South. His entire side of the family's from there. I mean, people that were his age, uh, he recently died this year. Um, but people born in his time frame, he was born in the 50s. I mean, like they had prom, like they had prom themes of like antebellum, you know, um, the great old self, the Confederate self, um, you know. Rod Hamilton, the man who made Patch the Pirate, probably wasn't even going to school with anyone but white children because it was not legal until three years after he was born for black children to enter white schools in the South. So I think that's all good knowledge to have. I'm saying this not because I want to excuse behavior, but I also want to explain these cultural standpoints that also influence maybe sometimes our ignorance and our uh willingness to just really believe things that don't logically make sense um that being said everything i just mentioned will play a role in patch the pirate which is the children's ministry that i mentioned so i'm actually gonna pause here after giving like a lot of cultural background but again like because this is so niche it's so weird i needed to make that um 
known. Another thing I'd also like to point out is that Ron Hamilton, who created Patch the Pirate, um, from my understanding, did like go abroad and so forth. But he writes a lot about other countries as a man who only ever lived in the United States and really only seemed to interact with like white WASP, which is white Anglo-Saxon Protestant WASPy people. Um, so that's, I think, something else to note. But I did want to give some cultural step tones i do know in past episodes i'll go like really hardcore and then realize i didn't really give the explanation that society does really love this evangelicalism thing because it does keep people fighting over dumb shit instead of like their own liberation things like that um also if anyone ever disagrees with anything i said here wants to like you know, be like, hey, you forgot this or this isn't 100% right. Feel free to like comment. I've had people come in with uh, information after the show. I always add it in. And if I forget, remind me. But that's just kind of some background. So let's take a pause and really dig into Ron Hamilton and Patch the Pirate. Okay, one thing I want to clarify I said that he died and it sounded like my dad passed away. My dad is not dead. He's alive. Ron Hamilton died this year. And that's actually who we're going to talk about first. So Ron Hamilton is this man um, and he attends Bob Jones University. Truly like just like an average kind of dude. Um, he's living his life. And what happens is when he's 26 years old, um, he gets cancer and his left eye is removed. Now, again, it's important to remember that at that time, that was a much riskier surgery. It would have been like, mm, if he was 72 when he died in 2023, 51. Yeah, it would have been like the 60s, 70s. That's like not, I, I don't want my eye removed in that time period at a hospital. But anyway, um, so that's when he's born. I am getting his uh, biography from his own website and from Christianity Today, who did uh, an obituary on him. But this is a story... I was told when you enter the program. So Ron gets cancer. He loses an eye at 26, which is a very young time to lose an eye. And um, I guess the one good thing is it kept him out of Vietnam. But anyway, um, and he he doesn't know what to do, you know, for God with this lost eye. So he uh, he starts wearing a patch. Get it. And so he's wearing the patch on his eye and kids are at church and they're going up and like calling him a pirate and asking him if they can be pirates too and, and like this is all like very wholesome right now like they, this is there's nothing nefarious going on like it just kids saw a patch they thought it was a pirate and he was very good humored about it and said oh yes i'm a pirate it says he even started greeting kids with ahoy because they got so much out of it um it does sound like from everything described that um he was always like positive and like good with kids that there was never anything like that. I just want whenever people hear like alone with kids or something in a church now they freak out. But for all intents and purposes, he was just hanging out with kids. Um, so one day he was thinking and he said, you know, I look like a pirate. I've started acting like a pirate and I haven't heard of many Christian pirates around. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to start calling myself Patch the Pirate and start writing kids' musics about God from the vantage point of a Christian pirate, which is an awesome and honestly, like, when I first heard, like, this is what he did, I was like, how do you have cancer, lose an eye, and say, you know what I will do with this lost eye? I will write uh, pirate Christian music for God, you know? Like, that's crazy. Like, I don't... You know, only only an evangelical would dream that one up. But hearing that kids were calling him a pirate, at least that makes sense where he got like an idea of a children's program where he was a pirate at his own church. Um, I think what no one was expecting is that this dude would end up pumping out 41 albums for children um, starring Patch the Pirate. The best part, and this is when you know, like, because I'm always like nervous around like Christian marriages, but like his wife must have been so like into him or at least loved the bit because she was willing to be his co-star, Sissy the Seagull. And then all his kids got their own little side. It was like a family band, the Patch the Pirate Band. So this is how it all starts. It's Ron Hamilton as Patch the Pirate and his wife 
whose name they didn't list. Sissy the Seagull. Great. Nameless wife, Sissy the Seagull. So this is the origins of Patch the Pirate. And really, um, up until now, like, is it like a really weird thing to do to write pirate Christian music for kids? Yeah. Is it like going to hurt anything? Nah. Um, but anyway. So the first album comes out in 1981. Um, at this point, uh, Ron is about 30 years old. Um, so he's had this thing for about four years. So um, I'm going to say like it probably took them two years based on the timeline we're given for them to promote and create this. Um, and then he released his second in 1982. Now, these were just albums. These aren't the programs I did. These were just albums telling stories with Christian values. Um and being sold to like Christian bookstores, which in the United States in the 80s and 90s, Christian bookstores were a huge deal. Uh, the one local to me was called Benders and you could go and get like literally all exclusively Christian stuff there. It was like, it was a thing. Um, they're kind of dying out now. There's a bunch online, but um, what did end up happening is 2 million copies have been sold and his songs were broadcast on 450 radio st stations. Again, this is on Christianity Today. Um, unfortunately, oh, his wife's name is Shelly. Okay. Oh, so interesting. Sorry, I just saw her last name and realized. So if you grew up independent Baptist like me, Ron Hamilton wrote a lot of adult hymns in the Majesty Hymn, um, hymn book, which is a Baptist hymn book. And Patch the Pirates actually under the Majesty music like logo. That's how you buy it. Um, And that's why it really does go around like mainly independent Baptist churches. Um, his wife, Shelly, Shelly Garlock is her maiden name. Her name was Hamilton. Her father, Frank, was also an incredibly pro prolific hymn writer in the Baptist tradition. Um, and actually, him and Ron Hamilton wrote similar style of music. Um, so that's just something interesting to note. Um, again, I really don't care if people want to sit around and write silly little songs um, to a point, but we'll get into that. Uh, what happened is Ron, he does all these programs. Patch the Pirate turns into something more than just music. There's actually plays involved now. We have a full children's program with a theme song. And um, you reenact all these different uh, scenarios and you go to different places. And there's like devotional books and there's special stories. And it becomes like this really... Uh, huge thing. It's almost like a uh, if VBS were weekly during the year is the best way to describe it because everything you kind of do in VBS, you do in this. Um, he even starts a younger one called the Pee Wee Club, which is the same idea, but just with more basic um, things. I mean, I think the youngest Pee Wee kid can be like three years old, which is really young. Um, but yeah, so that's just something to note. He did die at 72 of dementia, which he actually got in 2018. And then he passed on Patch the Pirate to his daughter and son-in-law. Fun story, the son-in-law ran for a Congress seat in South Carolina. So there is a political edge to this now. And that's why I kind of care more than just some rando sitting and diddling songs all day, writing songs. Don't know why I said diddle. Don't repeat that. Um... So, you know, he he really doesn't have this like controversial like he's not like a controversial person. He doesn't he's kind of like um the man who did Veggie Tales Phil last name escaping me. I think I want to say it's Fisher. They're they probably hold ideas that I really don't like, but they never really did anything explicitly controversial um unless you like looked into them specifically. So, um yeah, he and he grew up in an independent fundamentalist Baptist church, which is how I grew up. So we did grow up in similar ways. He actually was born in South Bend, Indiana, and spent most of his life. South Bend, Indiana um, is actually where uh, Notre Dame College is, you know, Rudy, let's go. Um, but it's also from the Midwest, which is also very similar in terms of religious conservatism as the American South uh and and he goes on to live the rest of his life in like the Greenville, South Carolina area where Bob Jones University is. Um, but Indiana's also where Mike Pence was governor. I think that gives you an idea of like the culture, the values. That's saying that all of Indiana is like that. I'm just saying, give it an idea for folks who don't know too much about Indiana. 
besides the movie Hoosiers. So, um, yeah. So, really, that's Ron Hamilton. Like I said, there's nothing like a lot, you know, a lot of this article is like how he changed your life and, um, you know, how losing an eye gave him the greatest gift of all and all this like christian stuff, you know. Um, that being said, we're going to go on his website. Um, this is how he tells his story, which I think is actually important. It's also good to know that uh, the National Religious Broadcasters um, is the radio broadcast that's been broadcasting them. I... <laughs> Sorry, one of the radio stations is called Trans World Radio, which is is a missionary radio station like internationally and i think what they mean is transatlantic but it makes it sound like he was promoted on like a transgender focused radio program i don't know blair white could be on that but uh i believe national religious broadcasters was pat sajak but let me or not pat sajak jesus christ um who's the one who pat robinson pat sajak hosts the wheel of fortune um it's also important to note in the 80s when he would have started this, uh, Christian broadcasting was getting big with like, praise the Lord, PTL with, um, oh, Tammy Faye Baker's husband. I hate him. Oh, Jim Baker. The group that uh, was broadcasting him was at a Bob Jones University. So he's obviously incredibly ingrained with Bob Jones University, which to me is a humongous red flag. Bob Jones University is a very bad place. Um... And that, and he is a darling there. So let, let's keep that in mind as well. Uh, I'm not going to get into Bob Jones University. Uh, there's a surviving BJU pod that is out where uh, an individual who went there discusses his experiences. I think if you want to uh, know more, do that. Um, but yeah, so that's just something also to note. Bob Jones University, not, not a great place. Fun fact about Bob Jones University, actually... This will matter. Remember when I talked about the American South and slavery and all these issues? So it's a common belief that the religious right in the United States started because of abortion when Roe v. Wade occurred in 1973. And that would make sense because it would at least have like a logical reasoning or like if you really are against abortion and you believe all those things, like your reasoning could potentially be like pure or you're like trying your best. Um, that being said... And the reason that the religious right in the United States states occurs is because Bob Jones University, where Patch the Pirate attended, was asked to let uh, black students in via a national law that was passed. And they refused on religious grounds. And it actually changed the legal system to where um, religious religious grounds couldn't be used to uh, basically not let a certain ethnic group in. Um Christians traditionally didn't vote. The voting was seen as too worldly until this issue when Jerry Falwell and all of Bob Jones' creepy little friends um, start, like, freaking out about this. They get everyone to vote. They create this huge, like, Christians need to vote to protect their own uh, their own values, everything. And, and it was around what they perceived as religious discrimination against Bob Jones University for being forced to allow black students on campus. I think we can all agree that is really, really disgusting. Um, Bob Jones University lost. That being said, again, this is a situation where it still wouldn't be safe to be black on that campus. Probably isn't today. No, it's not safe to be gay on that campus. That's for sure. But that's just something to know. I also think, well, like a lot of Bob Jones University isn't even like fully accredited. Like it's like the, there's like a separate Christian accreditation that does all these like fundy colleges. And I think Bob Jones might be in that little circle with like. Oral Roberts University and these other freaky little places they all run at. Um, I think Dallas, like Baptist Theological or whatever, is in the like what I call like the fake college group. But um, so that's just an interesting side note. Again, I think this is vitally important. I'm going to do more than one Patch the Pirate special because I was in Patch the Pirate. And I know that people I went to youth group are like basically outwardly afraid to like get on this podcast with me because of like family stuff. 
I'll yap. I'll yap for you. Send me send me your stories, dude. I get it. If you don't want your voice on here, I'll make it up. I'll blame someone I hate more for the story if you want. Um, I don't hate you guys. I just met someone I do hate. I don't hate. Hates. I can hear my mom in my, my ear. Hate's a strong word. You don't hate anyone. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, that was rambling. So let's get back to how Ron perceives his story. So when Ron was a little boy, he dreamed of becoming a cowboy, a fireman, but maybe a pirate. And Ron Hamilton did do that. He did become a pirate, but not something like Buffalo Bill, RIP to our season, or Long John Silver. Not that actually they should die. That's a disgusting chain of fast food restaurants in the U.S. Um, When he was 27, his pirate dreams came true. That's an awesome line. I'm going to read this verbatim because how he writes his like entrance into the quote unquote to the Christian pirate world is truly a piece of beauty. When I was 27 years old, my dream came true. On a routine visit to the eye doctor, something unusual was discovered in my left eye. After several weeks of testing, I was rolled into the operating room for surgery on the eye. As I slowly regained consciousness several hours later, my wife Shelly gave me the startling news. The doctor found cancer. Your left eye is gone. Like this, the way it's written, it was like, my dream came true. They cut my eye out of me so I could be a pirate. Yes. Oh, my Lord. My doctor gave me my first pie patch and suddenly I was a pirate. What? I love this. Low impact pirate. What do you think this guy did when like Pirates of the Caribbean came out? Did you think he had to be like rolled out in a stretcher? He was so excited. Um, He tells us how when he was a little kid, he knelt by his bed and talked about all his sin and how he needed a savior. Nice. Um, So the people who run it now, it says, are Adam and Megan Morgan. Megan would be Ron's daughter and Adam is her husband. Adam ran and lost for a seat in South Carolina Congress. He ran as a Republican and yes, I will bring up good old Adam's uh, current political stuff because Ron is dead. So that's the story. But I want to see what Adam's up to if he's running it now, because like I said, Adam is most definitely someone who does not hold political views that I think are safe. So Adam Morgan, who runs uh, Patch the Pirate now with his wife, because Ron Hamilton built, you know, the family empire of children's pirate music for his kids to fall back on um he's an he's an attorney he became the president of majesty music which does own patch the pirate and also owns a ton of hymnals that go into churches that still use hymnals um i do know a big thing with ron hamilton is that he does not like contemporary christian music and he was like really passionate about like the modern hymn i agree with him on that he had some reasons i don't agree with but the overall ideal i agree with him on and he does try and hold like to traditional music still he gets a little like legalistic about it i know shocking for someone who went to bob jones university but let's continue um oh he actually won whoops sorry adam morgan is a representative a, a voting representative um he was born in dallas texas he also went to bob jones university but he did go to U university of south carolina which is a legitimately decent school um for his law degree he only has one kid which is pretty tame for a christian family in the south and um let's see what bills he has sponsored he sponsored 125 bills i'm scared about this so he signed a bill oh adam patch the pirate's son-in-law signed a bill to have child care facilities in churches only overseen by religious folks. That's, mm, yup, that is exactly the kind of BS he'd be into. Ugh, interesting. A lot of, like, changing voting. Uh, one, some of them are just, like, uh, vanity votes. So in the U.S., like, you can vote and sponsor a bill to, like, give a grant to, like, a school for, like, a party for winning, like, the state championship or something. He's also from South Carolina, and it is a little different than where I'm from. Um, oh, yeah, you know, he uh, wanted to amend that you don't need vaccinations to go to school. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't seem like he's super... Um, pedantic as a republican but he definitely has uh he definitely has this view of child care needing to be very like loosey-goosey 
in um in church settings as well as the vaccination thing so that's just some of the great work he's been doing for my country um let's see now well, Pat's the pirate is. So I've kind of described here's Ron, here's his idea, here's his son, here's his politics. But you're like, well, <laughs> what, what exactly did you do? What did you do in Patch the Pirate? And let me tell you <laughs> a lot. Let's take a pause and I'll discuss. Okay, so I found the website for Adam Morgan, Patch the Pirate's son-in-law. I'm not going to call him Ron Hamilton. He's just Patch the Pirate now. This thing is freaking gold. He, he I didn't realize this. He's a Republican because he wouldn't have won, but he's in the Freedom Caucus, which is like the extremely right part of the Republican Party. And this is what he has on his website. Action alert. Pro-socialist crony capitalist lobbyist. I don't, I love when he says pro-socialist crony cat. Like that whole sentence is a giant, what the fuck? Like how can you be pro-socialist and a crony capitalist like that doesn't make sense okay i'm done that's crazy no i have to read it again so it even makes sense pro-socialist crony capitalist lobbyists are lying and sending out attack mailers and text messages under the fake name palmetto truth project against me and other south carolina freedom caucus members because we voted against millions in wasteful spending in the state budget and opposed a scheme to give 1.3 billion dollars of taxpayer money to an international corporation the fact these leftists are spending thousands of dollars to attack me just means i am directly over the target and a threat to their cronyism i will always fight for conservative values and will not back down holy shit that's an awesome paragraph i just read let's see what he believes i believe in south carolina great it, it's a real place so if you didn't i would have some calls to make um he is a fighter I made a lot of promises to change Columbia and fight the good old boy system when I knocked on over 4,000 doors in my last election. Woo! We have too many timid and unsure politicians and too much is at stake. He is fucking chairman of the Freedom Caucus. Oh yeah, baby. Adam Morgan. Oh, he was on Glenn Beck. Ugh, this is great. He demands transparency. He was kicked out of the House Republican Caucus. You know what? That is kind of sexy. But I, he didn't sign a loyalty pledge. Ooh, that is weird. You know what? I I'm I don't stand like I say. A broken clock is right twice a twice a day. I'm gonna the loyalty pledge is weird. I'll give it to Adam. That's weird. I'm glad you got out of that situation. Um, this is reminding me of when Madison Cawthorn got booted because he was like oh, everyone's just like having orgies at these like Republican parties and it's not just politics. Yeah, I, I can see that for him. I will never sign away my right to call out other legislators for opposing conservative policies or my ability to inform my constituents of what is happening in their house. Hmm. Um, then he was on Glenn Beck. He says he represents you and not a lobbyist. He does sound very uh, almost green about this he's a licensed attorney and he has an experience in contract and intellectual property law that is actually kind of interesting but it makes sense that he got that degree because he runs a music program and specifically the intellectual property law is a huge part of that interesting i definitely won't be playing any patch the pirate music knowing that <laughs> He probably supports his police, his veterans, and his teachers. In these uncertain times, those who spend their lives serving others deserve respect, support, and appreciation. I cut wasteful spending in the budget like film subsidies, beach advertising, and adult art classes. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, <laughs> and use that money to fully fund law enforcement requests. And give teachers a pay raise. I'm glad about the teacher pay raise, even though I'm pretty sure these people either go to private Christian school or homeschool. I'm really pissed about like the adult art classes and stuff because I have a feeling those were like probably mental health focused. And to put that into law enforcement is just punishing mental health. But I didn't expect much from Freedom Caucus Adam. So I'm actually pretty impressed that he hasn't brought up gay people or immigrants once yet. So everyone... Uh, the bar was on the floor and Adam sort of stumbled over it. Anyway, he's probably pro-life. Oh, Adam. I had to take a pause with the pro-life thing. Basically, 
this is the best part. He talks about how he's pro-life because he has three beautiful kids and he can't imagine aborting them. Um, but then the picture, there's only two. Also, one of the kids, I'm not going to say their names because they're minors, but one of the kids has like a top tier NB name. I don't think Adam knows that, but it's top tier NB energy. I hope that kid comes out to be something their parents absolutely despise. Like I only, my only hope for these children is that they grow up to do something that uh, would get them kicked out of their, their dad's alma mater. So patch the pirate you're like okay we've heard about these crazy bitches but like what what a curse <laughs> at patch the pirate so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna describe a day in the life of a patch the pirate member now i was a i was a member i did patch the pirate from kindergarten until fifth grade so from about age five to about age 10 or 11 um my brother did as well we did not do peewee that started for my church after i was in patch for a few years but my mom was a patch leader, so I knew all the drama because she just gossiped about all of it with us. I don't even care if people know this. Like, if it happened with adults, like, you know how, like, most parents would be like, oh, you know, I can't tell you about what happened. My mom would be like, okay, so this bitch, like, she acts real nice with you guys. Biggest effing cunt in the back. Oh, I shouldn't have used the C word. Biggest. I'll beep it out. You know what I mean? She's she's a real piece of work in the background this person or that man or that whatever it actually was helpful and people probably wouldn't even fully recognize this but my mom was also telling us who to avoid because they might hurt us like emotionally later on and frankly she was right that being said she actually worked with mainly like really decent people and patch there wasn't that many issues issues it was more because everybody in the church could be involved because of their kids that you had like everyone there and that just meant like also i'm gonna just say it gossip isn't that bad because gossip okay gossip can help you i'm not saying so there's gossip like i saw a picture of so and so on facebook and their left shirt sleeve had one drop of you know ketchup on it and then i think you know like i i don't even know where that story was going but, like, people will, like, use that as a sign that the person went out to eat and cheat on their wife. You know what I mean? Like, that's, like, gossip where you're just, like, fabricating stories to me. Then there's gossip where it's, like, hey, uh, so-and-so, you know, cornered me in a room and, would like, went ballistic and, like, screamed at me. Like, do you know what that's about? Oh, that person did that to me, too. Oh, that's weird. So it wasn't just me. Oh, maybe we should do something about that. Oh, it's also studies have shown that towns like smaller villages and so forth with the higher rates of gossip have less serial killers because every nun knows what everyone's business is and you can't go killing when everyone knows what you're about so that's all i gotta say i also find a lot of like the anti-gossip talk in churches is just anti-women talk because women are more likely to participate in emotionally open and vulnerable um discussions about their family and so forth and a lot of time those genuinely like vulnerable and like i don't know what's happening discussions are considered gossip and they're really just like forms of connection and understanding um yeah so that's that um i also think a lot of pastors don't like gossip because if everyone gossiped then they'd all know um who's sleeping with who mainly how many of you are sleeping with the pastor because at my grandma's church, if they would have done that, they probably would have known for 10 years the pastor was uh, porking a lot of people that weren't his wife. So anyway, why did I use pork? I'm so sorry, but he's gross. So like it would be sex if he weren't so gross, but because he's gross, I had to give it a gross name for the act, you know? Anyway, so let's get to the day of Patch the Pirate. Um, after my gossip rant, which I'm sure was really important to all of you. But anyway, um, so basically what happened was my mom was leader and she did that just because my mom really likes working with kids. Uh, she used to work at a school as an aide and stuff. So um, patch was this thing when I started. So my first year, you'd have to dress up like a pirate every week. So the, <laughs> the pirate uniform was a navy blue skirt or pants, dress shoes, a white collared shirt. Um, and then we if you're in patch you get a little like sailor hat like the uh gilligan's island style sort of thing um 
and you put pins on it for like how many Bible verses you memorize and stuff, and you had to wear that too. Um, the fit did not slap at all. It was ugly as hell. I mean, we were up there dressed like the freaking Von Trapp family, like singing songs and reading the Bible. But anyway, um, so that's what you did. You'd show up and then like obviously when kids are showing up, it's just like whatever. You each have your own like little mini group. So like my mom was like a captain or like leader of like five or six kids and then like another group would have five or, you know, like that kind of thing. So that was how that went. Then you would get together You'd sing some songs. There's a Patch the Pirate theme song. I will read the lyrics of it later. You read a Patch the Pirate, like, pledge or something. And then uh, you start the lesson for the day. Each, like, month or every two months, you switched, like, what you focused on. And again, when I explain, like, the devotion books and stuff, you'll see what I mean by that. But there's basically, you got a booklet, and each booklet had... um a different theme sometimes it was like down under and that was australia sometimes it was like the jungle and that was racism um not like that was me being sassy they didn't actually talk about racism it was just very racist so you got to learn how to be racist through that one um and then there was also um yeah so you like did the music then you'd go and you'd have your patch leader check your devotionals to make sure you did them because you got like extra points for doing devotionals because if you racked up points and you could get a prize so like devotionals counted as this many uh memory verse counted as this and then you could get like pins um the other thing you would do after you did like this little devotional check-in time is then you'd do games and everyone did a game together and then you'd read a biblical story that was weekly and then like the last week you finished the story so kind of like this weekly chapter of the story and then you would sing more songs i think the older kids would practice their play because each what would happen is each group was the leader of like the play for each whatever and then it would shift to the next group who had to do the play um so you'd practice that and then when all of it was said and done you finished your devotional book everything you perform for the church on sunday night by singing some songs and doing a play and telling a story um about what you learned through patch so that was patch the pirate um i will say after my second year we had we we didn't have to dress up like pirates anymore we could just dress like regular kids we did have to put the hats on but then when you performed you had to dress like a pirate so that's how it worked um i will say my first year patch i liked it because i think it's like any kid like i was i think crafts and like snack were involved too probably but um all that stuff was like fun and then like first grade through like fifth grade when like i was no longer oh no first through fifth was patch so second grade through fifth grade i'm sorry peewee ended at kindergarten does that you know that was like not very important of me to break down but anyway so i would i would um do that and then you could either stay for service whatever but you do this performance and then you know old people would come up and be like oh it's so cute when you did your performance um my mom's role was basically to like lead her like little podlet of children uh make sure they were doing things she got like a special shirt with like patch the pirate insignia on it um i don't know it was nuts but yeah so that's what we did um i didn't like it after my first year because i aged it also was one of those things where once you've done it like it's no longer really that fun because you like know everything that's going to happen um but that was patch i don't want to say i was necessarily traumatized by patch i just think i was bored by patch and everyone there was like equally like this is dumb together and so i think when everyone's together like this is dumb as hell you're less like oh no i'm not fitting in we're like youth group like everyone was trying to act like they were like christian of the motherfucking year and then i was confused when people would try and like act out like behind the scenes because i didn't want to get in trouble because i felt more like watched in youth group i'm also like kind of i don't want to say like i'm a no i'm kind of a goody two-shoes in that regard where like i get really nervous and stuff especially with like adults i i respect um getting upset with me so that being said but that was patch there's a treasure chest where he gets stuff um there were hand motions to the songs there were props there were bible stories there were um we sang at nursing homes and stuff you know 
But that's kind of, you know, the day in the life of Patch. What I really want to get into is I'm going to look into some of these devotional books so you can kind of see what the stories were. And then I think I might... I might be able to get some folks that I did patch with to write in stories. I Again, unlike me, um, I'm one of the few who left the church and uh, whose family left with them and still like, so like, it's not that people can't talk to their family, but I can be myself with my family and talk about things like normal. Like I don't have to hide things. And my family would not be upset about this where other people could actually like lose relationships Um that matters or be cut off from family members that don't understand and that kind of thing. So that's why people have been like really bitten for like the Patch of Pirate. But if you do want to write something in, I can change things. I can blame someone else we mutually hate more. Um, We can do a lot of different things. But that being said, let's take a pause. I'm going to do like 15, 20 minutes on the books and devotionals. And then that will be all for our uh, comeback episode today. Yeah. Happy 2024. Let's go. Okay. So Ron Hamilton patched the pirate man. His first ever album he releases is called Patch the Pirate Goes to the Jungle. Oh, yeah, baby. Like when I said that the theme is racism... The theme is racism and not fighting it. So um, <clears throat> let's just discuss what Patch of the Pirate Goes to the Jungle is about. So set sail on a treasure hunt to Afraidica. So <laughs> what they've done is they took the word Africa and then like put the word afraid in there so that you're going to like Africa, but you're afraid, you know, it's going to be about like trusting God. Sorry, I had to pause, but the whole point is it's going to be about trusting God. But get ready for who our characters we're about to meet in. Not Africa, Africa. So we're going to set on a treasure hunt to Afraidica, which is uh, Africa for scaredy cats, I guess. Um, also love that we're talking about Africa as a continent. Like very few people, oh, this is so nitpicky, but very few people will say like, I'm going to Europe because they know that people are going to say which country. No one ever says that about Africa because most white American people think Africa is just one giant Sahara desert, which is only one portion. I think of like, well, you know what? I'm not even going to get into that. But And that you're just going to like wander around with like the Lion King all day. So I'm not surprised. Also, not that there aren't jungles in Africa, but ironically... The jungle they have focused in this picture, I'm being very nitpicky, but it is definitely like something you'd see in like a South American rainforest. They also ripped off Tarzan, unrelated. I'm going to continue. I'm just being a overall bitch about this. Anyway, so we're going to meet our friends, Lily the Elephant, Banana Man, and Mr. Missionary. Wow, they... uh they saw Song of the South and thought, hold my beer anyway. Um, missionary service and the significance of a life dedicated to God are strong emphasis of this adventure. So the point is going to be, are you afraid to go to some country where they'll shoot you for God? Well, don't be because you should uh, welcome being shot for God. This is very uh, poison wood Bible coded material. So let's look at the songs that are going to save me. From a lifetime of not uh, evangelizing people who hate me. Let's see. What are the songs? What are the songs? We have Here I Am, Lord, which actually became popular enough that adults will sing it. Um, that song actually transcended the kid thing. The club song, which you sing every week. That This is the introduction of the club song. Um, yeah. Trusty Sword, Worry Warthog. Now... Yeah, that's definitely a riff off of the Lion King because of Pumbaa. Um, my very best friend, How Can I Fear? Initiative, Wiggle Worm, Bold as a Lion, Keep Your Sunny Side Up. I actually remember singing that song as a kid. And I remember Here I Am, Lord, in the club song. The next one, I paused and I had to like kind of walk around my room. Apparently, this is not a racist term, but it seems really racist. The Poochie Lip Disease. Now, I, like I said, in the last one's my goddess, righteous God. I actually don't care because I'm still on the poochie lip. Like, that cannot be a word. 
Like who's saying that? And and you're in quote unquote Africa. I don't I don't love it. Mm, I um I don't love it. I don't love it. It seems wrong. I haven't found anything that says it's wrong, but it seems wrong. Um, now, <laughs> what they are saying is that poochy lip disease is where, like, a little kid, like, when they jut out their lower lip to be, like, cutesy so that they can get out of something. Obviously, like, I can just see a bunch of, like, 40-year-old moms in, like, Alabama or something being, like, calling it that and, like, making all these jokes about kids and stuff. I can just see it. I can just see it. I think calling it a disease is crazy because it is ultimately like saying your feelings are a disease because there's a lot of reasons kids might do that. But let's just see what the lyrics are. King Ahab went a walkin' in royal garments grand and saw a lovely vineyard while gazing o'er the land. He said, I've got to have it. I always get my way. But when he could not get it, he pouted all the day. I like how they're like, King Ahab, the brutal warlord, was just standing around pouting. The poochy lip will get you if you don't watch out. The poochy lip will get you if you start to pout. So take this little tip and control that lower lip and chase away the Moochie lip disease. What? So the rest is just about how um, King Ahab was sticking out his lip to complain. Obviously, there's nothing technically wrong. I would just rather be caught dead than place in my play in Africa and to discuss, you know large lips as being a bad thing or sticking your lip out to make it bigger to be a bad thing that seems very um not good it reminds me this is a real banger story please skip this if like just overt stupid like i'm gonna call it like you know when they read like the dumb criminals these are like the dumb racists like they really didn't get it so poochie lip disease and like the not understanding it and how it could be problematic thing reminds me when I was in college and we were a very white college because uh private Christian college and just it they they're white as hell I don't know what else to say you talk about the wonder bread factory you go in down there so um <clears throat> our school decided they were gonna like you know it's Houghton. I don't care. I actually say the names. I think this is really bad and I don't think this is handled correctly. Houghton was going to do this thing called Many Shades of Houghton, which that alone should have made somebody say, huh, Many Shades of Houghton? That sounds incorrect. And what they did is they put every person of color except for one because the there was like infighting. So they actually de-blacked like multiple students who didn't fight it to be on the list of the like 10 that were there. Um... They made this poster that said, like, Many Shades of Houghton. It had all the pictures of the people of color on there, which, that alone, jail. Like, can you imagine doing that? Hanging it up, taking all the time to, like, take these posters of black people on a thing and then to write Many Shades of Houghton. Like, that, that in and of itself, that's, that's a new move. I have not seen something quite that stupid in a long time. So that was funny enough. And that in and of itself should have been bad. But, like, nobody really touched it. Some kid went in. Because this is around the time when Fifty Shades of Grey came out. They wrote Fifty Shades of Houghton in front of it. Which, I will say, Houghton set themselves up for that. You can get mad all you damn well want. You put something that said Many Shades of Houghton when a sex movie called Fifty Shades of Grey come out. Come on. Come on. Anyway. So they put Fifty Shades of Houghton. And then put, like, like chains Sorry, this is like so bad. It's like an It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode. And like they put chains around like the poster board. So it said Fifty Shades of Houghton. And then because of all the chains, it looked like the black students were obviously like enslaved. And you can see where this is a big problem. So everyone woke up to see, you know, the the pr diversity promoting poster had slave chains on it. And it obviously ended bad. The whole thing had to go down, Um, you know. Obviously, that student who did it is a complete dumbass and shouldn't have done it. 
I do also blame the college because, frankly, they tokenize students so badly that they set them up for even more racist behavior on a campus that's also already pretty damn racist. So that's my banger story of the day. Um, shout out to any black student who was personally harmed by Houghton College, including myself. I was a pretty big dumbass when I was in college, but... I also wasn't an adult getting paid to do diversity shit. I was a student going there, so they were supposed to guide me. Not trying to take stuff off myself, but like, let's just think of the power there. Anyway, but that's what the poochie lip disease reminds me of. But there's actually an album that I didn't realize I sang <laughs> that is worse than that. And then I'm going to pause. I do want to do more patch, but this is already really long. And I could just go on and on about patch the pirate. And I need, I know some of y'all have stories. But this is called um, Shipwrecked on Pleasure Island. This was the, the theme. Um, now, because I grew up Christian, I know this. When they say Pleasure Island, they're talking about basically anything that makes you happy that isn't God. So when I hear Pleasure Island now as like a normal adult person, I'm thinking this is Netflix's newest dating sex show. Um, but in this situation, it means uh, just doing whatever you want and giving into the flesh is the term they'd use. So let's see what uh, the pleasures of the world and Pleasure Island are about. Now, I remember this because we sang the True Blue Crew. And one of my friends, Jamie, wanted to name our group the True Blue Crew. Because at the beginning of each uh, portion, you got to name like your little group, your own name in the theme. And we didn't do it, but ended up being a song. So I guess Jamie sort of wins in the end. So whatever. Um... If Captain Patch and his crew have to be stranded for a time while they repair the Jolly Roger. Oh, yeah. The boat's called the Jolly Roger. So guess what candy we got like every week? What better way to the be than Pleasure Island? I fucked that up. Let me rephrase that. What better place to be than Pleasure Island? Coco, Poco, and Loke? Jesus Christ. Uh, sound like sex work triplets in a porno. Okay. Poco, Loco, and Coco are the friendliest hosts. Bet they are. And they all have... They have all the lemonade and chocolate your tummy can hold. Best of all, the mountain tall water slide and the giant human slingshots. I like how they're like, would this be awesome for a kid to go to? Let's make it secretly evil so kids will never be happy. Like, this is very nefarious. Perhaps it does seem a little strange that the beds are all in cages and things keep turning up missing from the ship. And what is that strange looking ship sailing around the other side of the sail? They said ship so many times, it doesn't sound like a real word anymore. If the crew is to escape in time, they will have to count on Sissy Seagull's wits and the power of the Lord. I don't, like, why are they in trouble? Did they catch them with their yummy lemonade and chocolate? Is the idea that, like, when you're not living for God, Satan can catch you? That's pretty scary. But I remember this, and I'll tell you, because we didn't sing every single song all the time. Sometimes we just learned some of them, but here's the songs. The True Blue Crew, which I sang. Where the waves roll high, Shadows of Pleasure Island. Did not sing Shadows of Pleasure Island, but that definitely, I don't like that phrase one bit. One Little Sparrow sang that song. It's from the typical Bible story that God would care for a sparrow. Candy time, killing time. I'm on the Rock sang that one. God's Nightlight didn't sing that because my my pastor said that nightlights were sinful because it taught kids to trust in man-made devices instead of God when they're scared at night. What a ding-dong. Anyway, Liar Liar. Um, Food Fight didn't sing that. Obey, O-B-E-Y. That one's not really a Ron Hamilton song. That is just a Christian uh, evangelical brainwashing song. Uh, Lay Up Your Treasure. We sang that one. That's about um, not giving a shit about materialism so that you can lay treasure in heaven because when you die, it doesn't go with you to heaven. Blah, blah, blah. Keep on plugging away. Definitely sang that one. Only two choices and 24-7. So in my version, Keep on Plugging Away, I think was like our big finale song. I can't remember all the lyrics but i do remember these songs i remember singing them um this one i can't remember if we called it pleasure island i'm gonna have to ask my mom i know that she has kept all the devotional books because she has like a giant tote that just says elena and it's like anything i ever touched as a child and i bet it's in there 
So that's why I've saved the ones I have because I'd like to do an episode where I bring my own devotional books. I want to see the bullshit I wrote in those things. I do have a distinct memory of when I got, I lost a tooth one week. We also had a huge ice storm and I wrote about that in my devotions. I don't know why, but I did. I didn't even write about God. I was just writing about like my tooth and stuff. It was weird. But yeah, that's that's Patch the Pirate. That's an introduction. Um, Please look into this more. I am, yeah, Shipwrecked on Pleasure Island is so weird. This stuff is all on Spotify. I'd also like to make that really well known. So if you go on Spotify, you can listen to this music. They are on everything. Um, J.W. Pepper also has their stuff. If you don't know what J.W. Pepper is, you probably have never been in uh, choral or um, like orchestra music, but that's like your biggest company selling uh, written written um, sheet music could not think of the word but yeah that's um that's pleasure island that's patch the pirate i'll definitely have more thanks for listening thanks for my rambling i hope you all learned something just beautiful and perfect today uh do look up pictures of patch the pirates albums i'm gonna put some on my instagram they have photos of the whole family all dressed up like pirates on the back of them very good content very very good content um but yeah, I highly, highly uh, recommend looking into this for yourself. There will be more. And yeah, that's all. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.